three days in and much of the country behind you, Guy, you are now on your way to Missouri. The last time I talked with you, you had just crossed over from New Mexico into western Texas. So you knocked out a good chunk of Texas today, although you've started to go back up north. What was the third day like? It was cold and windswept up right now between Joplin, Missouri and Springfield, Missouri, where I'm going to stay tonight. And it was not the day I was expecting going through the Texas panhandle in Oklahoma. I thought early April, Oklahoma, Texas, you're going to at least be in the 60s. Far from that, Matt. And I probably should have realized that it was going to be a, a strange weather day when I checked into my hotel in Amarillo around 11 p.m. last night. And the guy working the front desk, I think he was a weather junkie or storm chaser because the winds were howling. And I, I made a comment to him. I go, oh, it's really windy tonight. He goes, oh, no, that's nothing. And I, I go, what are you talking about? That seems brutal out there. Because, oh, no, they're only, and he pulled up an app, because they're only 23 miles an hour. We get 40-mile-an-hour winds all the time. So go to bed, wake up, go to the uh, to the SUV. It's frozen, like absolutely frozen. And this is a rental car I picked up at LAX, so it doesn't have an ice scraper. Look at the uh, my app on the phone. It was 22 degrees out in Amarillo, Texas, on April 3rd. Think about that. Ground was the frost everywhere. I had to sit in the parking lot for about. 12 minutes to get the car defrosted. Went on my way, was driving on Interstate 40 through the Texas Panhandle, through, through a lot of small farming towns. Uh, I don't even remember the dates of all of them. I know one was called Shamrock, and the wind was whipping not quite like it was last night, but all you really saw were high grasses, cattle, and wind turbines. They got into a valve. Elk City, Oklahoma. Never been in that first country. You're just thinking the whole time. The wind's whipping, the land looks hard, a lot of farming, uh, dirt soils. Uh, you know in the summer, it probably gets into the 90s and the 100s. You're just thinking, man, that's a rough, rough place that Texas Panhandle into uh, southwest Oklahoma. You know some real tough people come from there, and they endure a lot of things that are uh, weather-related. Well, you read Boomtown, The History of Oklahoma City by Sam Anderson, and I read that, and we'll get into that in a few minutes because you spent some time in Boomtown today. But so much of that region, so much of that part of the Great Plains, and it's the Southern Great Plains, I think that qualifies as Great Plains. I I was trying to figure that out actually before we recorded this, and I'm not quite sure what they call that region. I just call it windswept. Well, and that's where I was going, the windswept. There are so many tornadoes to the point where an Oklahoma City meteorologist named Gary England became a folk hero in that region because of his ability to calm people and instruct people during tornadoes. There are so many tornadoes, and they rip through there so often. Um, Obviously, they hit other parts of the country as well. There was a terrible one not too long ago. Uh, in Tennessee, but I feel like there's so many in that part of the country 
that you talk with someone who's from there, 25 mile an hour winds, yeah, that's nothing. 40 mile an hour winds even, nothing when you survive, you know, tornadoes ripping through your region on a regular basis. Yeah, and it's, you're right, it is part of the folklore. I know we're jumping around, we haven't got an Oklahoma City yet, I'll go into the, uh, a different part of the state, and I also went through Tulsa today. And I was listening to a modern country station, and it's 106.1, the Twister. And then the <laughs> uh, University of Tulsa athletic teams are called the Golden Tornadoes, I believe, right, right Matt? Yep. So it's, it's in the folklore. These are these horrific weather events uh, that you can't even predict. They come out of nowhere, and it's like people shrug them off, or it's a way of life. And it's something that people that don't live there couldn't even imagine going through what, let alone... Uh, you get to this time of year in, into May. I think I believe it's coming up on storm season, and, and that's when all the storm chasers head up to Oklahoma. And it's just like one after another, and it's it's part of life for these people in Oklahoma and the Texas Panhandle. And it really shouldn't be, but it is. They find ways to get through it, and it's almost like they, uh, like I said, it's really in the folklore. Well, I feel like that's anywhere in the country, though, that has extreme weather, if you live in Seattle, and Seattle comparatively does not have as much rain as, as other cities. I think they average about three no, not, to three and a half feet a year. No, no, there are cities that uh, that have 60 inches of rain a year. Seattle has like 37 or 38. But you live in Seattle and you gird yourself against cold springs and lots of rain. You live in Miami, there was a show called Dave's World years ago where Harry Anderson uh, played a, a, a newspaper columnist. And I remember his wife making a joke about the NBA team in Miami because they lived in Miami. I was like, why do you have to call it the heat? And of course, the, the AC had broken in their house. We're in Cleveland and we make fun of uh, the weather changing from, from day to day. It could be 65 and sunny one day. And then by midnight that night, it could be 22 degrees so I feel like wherever you live, as long as it's not Antarctica or Siberia, you're able to make fun of the weather a little bit as a coping mechanism. Or if you live in San Diego, you just make fun of everybody else's weather. I don't even know if you need to do that. I think you just, if you live in San Diego, you just revel in the fact that you have perfect weather almost every day of the year, and you don't worry about anybody else at that point. One thing the weather was not conducive to today, Matt, was golf. So I I woke up, I had my uh, khakis on, I had a golf shirt, I had a corner zip, I was all ready to go to play somewhere, and of course it's 22 degrees when I, when I wake up, I'm thinking, all right, it, it, it'll warm up, it'll warm up when I get to Oklahoma, get, get into Oklahoma, and it never got above 35 degrees, then you put in a 15, 20-mile-an-hour wind the entire day, I uh, didn't get to play golf, I, didn't, I don't even think I saw a golf course today even on the side of the interstate. In fact, the only golf course I saw today was I was running through Oklahoma City and went through the uh, the Bricktown section, which those of you who aren't familiar with Oklahoma City, that's their trendy, revitalized part of town for the minor league baseball. Uh, Bricktown Ballpark is near Chesapeake Energy Arena where the Thunder play. There's a mass pro shop there. It's where, uh, you know, the you know, the 21 to the early 30s that go and hang out for their weekend. And I was running through there, and I noticed that a miniature golf course there, and that was the only golf I saw all day. You tweeted out that photo. This was the first time on the road trip 
you know, you're three days in, you were two for two before this, but the first time on the road trip that you did not step foot on an actual golf course, just a miniature golf course. And did, did you even play the miniature golf course or did you just shoot a photo? Oh, no, it wasn't open. I mean, ah. I, I, I did a run, a one-mile run through Amarillo this morning, and then a three-mile run through Oklahoma City, and then probably like a seven-mile run through Tulsa. When I got to Oklahoma City, it was like, man, trying to take the golf clothes off and put on the, the running clothes, and these cities are so desolate right now. There's really nobody around besides construction workers, so it was pretty easy to slip into the back of the SUV and change real quick. In, in downtown Oklahoma City, but yeah, it was around like two o'clock. I could see it the fact that there would be no golf deck. So, what do you think when you get to a state and 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 the plans change? You you've always been a kind of a roll with the punches guy. You're very adaptable to whatever situation you're in. But any disappointment at not being able to squeeze in a probably another solo round of golf on uh, on day three. Yeah, there was, and I'll tell you what changed the day for me, Matt. When I put on the running clothes and started running around Oklahoma City, and I didn't really have a workout in Amarillo. It was kind of like I was just dashing through town to take some pictures real quick before I moved on to the next thing. But once I got that run in in Oklahoma City and I started sweating, uh, I felt better about everything. I kind of had a bad feeling when I woke up because of the weather, and I you know, there was no morning golf, and then I continued in the early afternoon, and I know there are people going through way worse things in the world right now than not getting to sure. play golf on April 3rd on a road trip across the country. So, you know, I, I have that perspective, but it's amazing what a run can do for you. And it's so odd right now running through these cities because, like I said, the only people out really are construction workers. There's nobody else around. And it's if you think of all the, the lost business and all the restaurants that don't do lunch business, night business, and these minor league baseball teams that aren't playing and bringing people into the city, and these workers that are working from home, it's just so eerie going through them, especially on a day where the, you didn't see the sun all day, and, the, and it was dark and drizzly. I mean, it was a gray sky the entire day in Oklahoma, so it kind of added to that, to that, that eerie vibe. But on the other hand, you're right, we are adaptable, so... I looked at it as an opportunity to see the two biggest cities in Oklahoma on foot. I believe that's the best place to be a city. And it was so easy to run around. Not only did you have the sidewalk to yourself, you had the street to yourself. So you could get from point A to B pretty pretty quickly. And these cities have been uh, still from 1 p.m. To, to, to like 6 p.m. when I got out of Tulsa. And so it was unique to see the sites of uh, Oklahoma City, you know, where the Thunder play, Brick Town. I ran by the... Uh, the Alfred R. Murrah building, federal building, mm-hmm. Matt, Murrah, yep. where the, uh, where, where the uh, National Park Service Memorial is for the bombing that happened in 1995, almost 25 years to this day. And that was just, that, that hit me, 168 people died on that day. It was, uh, I believe it was the biggest act of terrorism, domestic terrorism, Matt, in the, in the history of the United States. If I'm not mistaken. I think to that where, point, where yeah. It Amer- where it was an American that, that caused the, the, the damage. So Don't quote me uh, on it. A horrific event happened there. I mean, it is a beautiful tribute to Memorial. Uh, you go in it, and I'm not even sure if it was open today. In fact, it probably wasn't. I probably shouldn't have been in there. But I went in there and just kind of stared at 
Uh, 25 years is a long time, but that's an event that will, will always be linked to Oklahoma City. When people hear the, uh, the name Oklahoma City, they that's probably the first thing they think of, and the second thing they think of is probably the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? And that was another weird yeah. thing, running around the uh, arena, Chesapeake Energy Arena, uh, the NBA season would have just been ending that. You know more about it than I. The regular season would have just been ending, right? Yeah, we'd be like game 77, game 78 about now, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. And I'm not entirely sure where the, where the Oklahoma City Thunder were. They were a playoff team. Standing, yeah, they were a playoff. I mean, they're always a playoff team. Even, you know, you think about it, they've gotten rid of uh, three superstars in the last five years and they still make the playoffs. And that was another thing, running around that arena and thinking about what could have been had those three superstars stayed together. I don't think we needed to dive into <laughs> basketball. But and the other thing is, is the, the book you alluded to is called Boomtown, and there's construction going on all over Oklahoma City, so you definitely got that, that it's a growing city. There's a lot of energy and money there, and, and it's a place that you, you would think would only get bigger and bigger. Well, there's so much open space around Oklahoma City, and again, you've read the book Boomtown by Sam Anderson. I've read the book as well. It's been probably about 14, 15 months since I've read it, but enough of it's still fresh in my head. The city, Oklahoma City, is just surrounded by just vast expanse. So it's one of those places where, like a phoenix, or phoenix comes to mind, just any big largely still underdeveloped, it's weird to say it about Phoenix, but underdeveloped metro in the south or the southwest that can just expand and expand and expand outward. Uh, You're right, I think Oklahoma City could become far bigger than it is right now, and it's it's a big city right now, obviously. And and another thing, I I, I had never driven through Oklahoma, another thing I observed was just how the landscape changed. So you, you cross Interstate 40, Leaving a city out, but they're all 
you know, they're not they're not Chicago side, so the whole team a lot of the same conventions and events and that 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 whole business right now is not going on. So sure. I'm sure there would have been people in these towns at events at these convention centers, at these arenas and none of that is happening right now. And it'll be interesting to see how quickly that that bounces back and what what these cities will be able to attract when things get rolling. Again, I'm going to study for another day, but today was really the first day of the trip that it hit me that it certainly certainly more close to a normal time in the United States. And I think that that was just a product of being in uh, mid-sized cities or even larger cities like Oklahoma City and Tulsa. Right, and if folks missed the earlier installment of the Road Trip podcast series, you are driving from California back to Ohio, about 2,400 miles over, probably five days, golfing where you can, seeing the sites where you where you can, kind of meandering, but you're not, on purpose, you're not paying attention to the news. You're not listening to news radio. You're listening to kind of podcasts here and there. You're not really reading the newspapers, and it's well, not... Country, it was all country music today. When, when okay. you drive to the Texas Panhandle in Oklahoma, you got to listen to country, listen to some retro country, and some modern country mixed it up today. So there wasn't even any podcast today, believe it or not, Matt. But you are not, not trying to put your head in the sand. You're just, you know, you're trying to step back from the constant crush of news, and there is a lot of it these days that you could be consuming if you chose to kind of envy the fact that you're not. No, that's one thing I would urge everyone, you know, whether you're on a road trip or not, just step away from things. I mean, I know it's really, really tough and everybody has a lot of worries and anxiety, but one strategy that helps me even when I'm at home at is that I don't watch any TV besides live sports. And I, and I don't, I'm not saying I have it all figured out, but between exercising frequently at least once a day, sometimes twice a day, and not watching any TV besides live sports, whether it's news or, or movies or sitcoms or reality TV, I think that, that that maybe helped me in some ways process these things. And it's not that I don't care or I don't know what's going on, but but I'm doing my part. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of supporting the economy. These economies by taking the trip and still trying to put the money into these places that are really struggling right now, and uh, I'm not going close to people. I haven't had any contact with any other human beings on this trip, really, uh, face-to-face, you know, besides, like, hotel lobbies or drive-thrus or, or convenience stores, that, that type of thing. So, you know, for me, the big test is going to be when I get home someday, and how will I process things then? But, but right now, I it's not that I'm doing it to be a jerk or insensitive. It's just kind of the nature of the trip. And when you travel and you're, you're making such a long drive, you kind of really have to focus on getting from one place to the next and mm-hmm. maximizing that time, seeing something that you may never get to see again in your life. I mean, I'm fortunate. I have a job. I get to travel a lot. But who knows? I may never be in Amarillo, Texas again. I may never be in Albuquerque, New Mexico again. I may know, never be in Holbrook, Arizona again or Oklahoma City or Tulsa. So I'm trying to make the most of this, this uh, experience that all came about because of my concerns of flying and the, and, and the, the health and safety concerns with going back to Los Angeles where I was supposed to fly out of. Well, and if you missed the news today, and you probably did, 
the CDC today, it is Friday, April 3rd when we're recording this, uh, recommended all Americans when they are out from their homes wear the, the, uh, just the standard face mask, but you can't get those anywhere. So you'd have to make one. And I don't like your chances of being able to make a face mask while driving a Nissan Pathfinder across the country. So when you get back, that's what you missed out on newswise today. I had no idea. <laughs> Listening to country music, why would you? No, and, and this is how far I've taken it, even if they do like a... Okay, so I do know what's going on in this sense. If you listen to a lot of local radio, mm-hmm. you hear ads by local businesses, and you hear a lot of carry-out and delivery ads, and a lot of support your local business ads. And I enjoy hearing those things because I like listening to ads on local radio, and I like looking at local travel guides because that gives me a sense of the areas that I'm driving through or stopping at or passing through. For as much travel as you do, and you mentioned it a minute or two ago, just not seeing people anywhere, whether you're walking or running around cities or you're purposely avoiding people like like you're supposed to, six feet. Um, How strange is it to travel right now and not have much human contact at all? I mean, I'm I'm at home. I've got my wife and our, our, our daughter, and I see people when I go out for my daily run in the late afternoon, early evening, not talking with them, just, just passing them while I'm on the street and they're on the sidewalk or the path. But you're out in the country in the middle of America and you don't have anything except, you know, a, a hello to the guy at the, at the hotel counter at night or someone at a gas station when you're picking up snacks for the road. How weird is that? Well, I mentioned this in a column last year. And I describe myself as a work extrovert and a personal introvert. So unless it's work-related, Matt, I don't really do that much socializing or interacting with other people, maybe besides family and my girlfriend and a few close friends and coworkers. Besides that, you know, when I, when I travel, when I go on these work trips and, and sometimes go off and, and see something on the side or play golf or go eat, it's usually by myself anyway. So... Really, I haven't felt the effects of that, other than the fact that, like, if these were normal times, maybe I would have reached out to a superintendent or two and let them know that I'm driving across the country and would it be possible to see the, the golf course. That maybe would have been the only interaction I would have had on something like this anyway. Maybe I would have stopped in a restaurant for breakfast or something. But I'm really not that much of an extrovert in my personal life, so that hasn't been very tough or different for me in any way whatsoever. I guess I asked that question because every time I've traveled with you, it's been for a work trip, so you are in extrovert mode. I guess technically, despite you having to get back to work, this was a personal trip, so the road trip back is personal. I think you you plan to write about it for the magazine, and you, you're doing some golfing, but I guess this is a personal trip, so you're kind of in introvert mode, I guess. Is that how you're looking at it? Yeah, but like I said, you know, had things been normal... I would have been in Myrtle Beach right now with a group of uh, 12 of us uh, on a uh, on a uh, power golf trip where we're going to play as much golf as possible in three days, drive down to Myrtle Beach, play as much golf as we could in three days, uh, 36 days, or 36 golf day, and then drive home. So I guess I would have been an extrovert had, had the original plan gone off. Well, this is getting way too deep into my, uh, my personality. Hopefully, uh, 
Well, I think that's part of it, though, is just, I, I don't know, I could be wrong. I think people listen to this to kind of see where you go and what you do and, and you know, courses that we visit normally. But I think right now, because you are one of the few people, there can't be that many people other than long-haul truckers who are driving across the country. You know, you're doing something that almost nobody is doing at this point in time. And for the romanticism of a road trip, I don't know how many people have actually gotten to do one. So I think there is something to the mental side of it, I think. Yeah, I think that the real thing will be when I get back on Sunday and I get home Sunday night, and uh, maybe then it'll hit me when it just happened because none of this was planned or expected. And like I, like I said earlier in the podcast, I was only going to be out in California for, for a week, and mm-hmm. that got extended a week because of travel concerns and the fact that we were working remotely and couldn't really get into our office. So uh, none of this was expected beyond the one week in California. So. It's going to hit me at some point that I'm not on the road, and we could be home for a, a, a long one now. We're not going to be traveling for work, at least for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. I do have a, uh, a Smoky Mountains National Park trip planned with my girlfriend April 19th to 26th, but we're going to have to look into a plan B because that, that park's closed, like, like some other popular national parks, because you know people really, it's really tough for people to stay at home, so they're thinking, where can we go? Where can we go? And the parks have become increasingly popular and then the ones that have become too popular have been kind of um, shut down or stopped right and for me that's tough to see because as you know matt and you're one too i'm a parks person i mean golf courses and parks in my opinion are the two greatest places in this country they're, they're the two places that i, I, I spend uh, most of my time besides the office and i'm a big proponent of the benefits of both those places and you know, we're not 100% having them going on now, but what are two of the few things going in a lot of places? Well, they're golf courses and parks. And they're even becoming overcrowded. Uh, I've heard stories from my dad who lives in Pittsburgh who wants to play golf in Ohio. Pennsylvania is not permitting golf. Ohio is. Him and his buddies tried to make some tee times at the courses on the Pennsylvania-Ohio border this weekend, and he said that you could, you could make a tee time on those courses. Yeah, this is this is a horrific time, but I'm the type of person I don't I don't go to movies, I don't I don't go to bars unless it's on a work trip, and I, I, I'm doing having a drink at the hotel bar with some people in the industry or having a drink and doing some computer work just because I don't like working in hotel rooms. Uh, I don't I don't watch TV. I don't really go to malls. The only places I really go to at home are a grocery store, Costco, and discount drug mart. So those places are still open. And in, in this weird way, I'm driving across the country. There are all these things changing for so many people. But my own life hasn't changed all that much besides uh, the fact that, you know, I'm not, not at home, which I'm <laughs> gone probably 30% of the time anyway from home. And, you know, we don't get to see each other in the office. And that's been a bummer. I mean, it, we've been doing conference calls and phone conversations and, and podcasts like this. We really have a... Uh, a great team at golf course industry and we all get along and I would say we're all friends outside of work and I haven't seen you now Matt for what almost three weeks it'll be three weeks Monday since the last time I think that's I, I've right I've seen you or, or Russ Warner our national sales manager or Andrew Hurricane Hatfield our young accounts manager or Dave Dye our publisher so or Jim Blaney our graphic designer or Kate McCoy our production coordinator or Irene Keeney our marketing director I hope 
Do it. GCI roll call. Yeah, you know, really, I think that'll really hit me on Monday. I'm back in Cleveland and I'm not around all these great people that we get to work with on Gulf Force Industry and GIE Media. Yeah, I mean, it's it that is one of the, the strange things. The only thing that outside of work that probably affects you or will affect you and, and probably does to a degree on this road trip um, would be coffee shops because sometimes you'll go in, you'll get your your giant iced coffee and hang out and work for an hour or an hour and a half. I've seen you do it. And we did it at a Tim Hortons not too long ago on our way over to Toledo. And you you can't obviously do that. That's one of the few things that I think you do semi-regularly that obviously you cannot do right now with uh, with all the various lockdowns. Or, or, or hotel lobbies. Well, hotel lobbies, too, sure. Our, our readers are probably listening to this, and they can't do their work remotely now. No. They have to be at the golf course. They have to be at the golf course every day. This is a very important time of the year, no matter what part of the country you're in. Uh, you know, if you're in cool weather, your season's beginning to ramp up. If you're in warm weather, uh, you're trying to be kind of that peak season, but maybe some more people, members are staying around as usual because of travel concerns. Uh, so it's a very important time of the year in all parts of the country. I don't care where you are. And there are people doing it with limited right now because of uh, the whole wording of who's essential, who's not essential. Uh, some places are furloughed or employees until things get busier. So our readers, unfortunately, can't just pick up their work, the physical parts of their job, and take it home. Maybe they can do some of their computer work over at, at, at home. But, you know, we're lucky. Uh, we can we can take our laptops home. We can take it to California. We can get to a boom in Amarillo, Texas, and still do our job. And I will say, there's also some negatives with having uh, your primary work device, the laptop, right next to you, because sometimes you feel like when it's right next to you, you always have to be doing something. Whereas, uh, you know, if we were managing a golf course, it's always on your mind, but at least it's not in your sight all the time. The, the laptop is always right right next to us. So uh, working remotely. Sounds like it would be glamorous, but I'm, a lot of people are adjusting to it right now. You know, we're former sports writers. We travel a lot, so we know what it's like to take a laptop anywhere and just get the job done. But uh, working remotely is certainly a challenge that a lot of people are finding. I mean, I was at a house with my brother-in-law and sister last week in California, and the, the kids are being homeschooled, and they're trying to get their work done, and I'm trying to get my work done, and it's not, it's not as... Uh, cushy as people think doing your work at home. In fact, I would say it's probably more demanding than doing work at an office or physical space. It can be. And one, one piece of advice that I can pass along to you or to anybody listening who is not working on a golf course and, and actually can work remotely, uh, or even golf course superintendents who are trying to get work done remotely. Uh, and this comes from my friend Mike and I wish I'd known this years ago and, and tried to do this years ago, it would have probably made me a lot more sane during the years when I was working at home full time, is if you work on a computer, and most of us who work at home do, keep that computer in a single room. I have an office that was at one point probably a back upstairs porch, and so it's not the warmest room in the winter. It gets a little hot in the summer, uh, but right now it's perfect. And I keep my personal laptop and my work laptop in there. 
I keep the microphone that I use to record all these podcasts at home back there. All of my golf course industry magazines are in here. This is a workspace. And when the door closes and I'm in the rest of the house, again, yeah, you're right. I may think about work, but I'm not going to do it. I might read an email, but I'm not going to sit down to record a podcast or write a story or transcribe audio. So if you are working from home, make some area, whether it's a spare room or a dining room table, or if you have heat in your garage, make one room of your home a designated workspace and only work when you're in that workspace. And don't bring your computer into the living room or, for heaven's sake, the bedroom. Don't work in bed. Please don't ever do that. That's a terrible idea. Um, so that's my one piece of advice to anybody who is working from home right now. And, and Matt, off the air, I made a comment to you yesterday that probably uh, shocked you a bit. Yesterday, uh, with all the driving, bikes back Arizona to Amarillo, Texas, to stop playing golf, I made the comment to you that that was, yesterday was uh, probably the day this year where I thought about work the least, or that was the least I thought about work since taking a trip with my girlfriend to the New River Gorge area in West Virginia in late December. Really, it, besides when I woke up and did a few emails and set some things up for the day, it's always on my mind, but it wasn't on my mind as much yesterday. So that's another interesting offshoot of this whole road trip. It's even though we're recording these podcasts and I'm taking pictures and writing notes, and I know it's eventually going to be story for us is that this is probably the least anxious I've been about work the last two and a half days. We got our April issue done on Tuesday, March 31st, and I would say when I left afternoon California time on April 1st, these two and a half days have been the least I've thought about work for a long time. Like I said, it's on my mind, but, but it's not at the forefront of my mind, my mind which maybe in some odd way that this is uh, all this driving and hustling to different places and seeing different things is going to refresh me a bit. And I'm not one of those, I need a break type people, as you know. No, you're not, but I'm very glad to hear that you're not checking out, but maybe just dialing back a little bit as you, you, as you cross you the country. Drive no. Besides record a podcast. And I'm lucky because I have somebody back in Northeast Ohio Ohio, who I trust, and I know we've talked about this on other podcasts, Streets of Envy podcast. If you're a manager, you have to let go and you have to trust your your assistant or your associate because uh, you're just going to drive yourself to a point where you're going to be anxious all the time and you're, you're not going to be able to get anything done in your personal life. You just can't trust somebody else to do the work when you're not physically there. It's very easy to want to control everything that you can control. Yeah. I guess the only thing I can control right now is where I'm going to go next and, and how this trip's going. So I know you're close. As you get to your final destination tonight on day three, uh, I will let you go. You are checking in to a hotel where at the end of day three? Springfield, Missouri. Home of the AA Springfield Cardinals. And also, home of Kate Stewart is from this area, and so is Horton right. Smith. And oh, that's Smith right. Won the first Masters tournament. In 1935. And a golf course named after Horton Smith, who the superintendent is Mel Waldron, who's a, uh, if you're on social media, you've probably encountered 
now, and he's a big friend of golf course industry and all the other uh, publications in the industry. So. I met Mel at the Syngenta Business Institute in North Carolina in December. I believe he is, if he's not the president of the local chapter of the GCSAA there, he has been in the past if he's not now. Mel is a, is a wonderful guy. Uh, I, I'm blanking on his Twitter handle, but uh, he's, he's great. And, and if you haven't had a chance to meet him in person, at least meet him online. So Springfield, Missouri, I am thrilled that you're almost there. I'm also thrilled that this is the first of our three podcast records when we did not drop a call. You are very clearly out of the Southwest uh, and you're back into a little more stable cell service area. So this was nice to uh, to have one continuous call. How, how close are you to Springfield now? I am 9.9 miles from the hotel. 9.9 miles. Well, I will let you focus on the way in is this going to be a five-day trip, or are you going to try to finish this up tomorrow? Yep, I decided to make it a five-day trip. Uh, it's like the only time in my life I get to do this, so I'm going to take full advantage of it. And actually, I, my dad's been calling me every night on the trip to check in and see how I've been doing. And he's really uh, holding up well, despite the fact that he can't play golf in Pennsylvania. And he's close to 70 years old, and he's one of those people where, where he's really driven to try to play golf more Also makes me happy. I look forward to talking with you not tomorrow, but the day after that about Bloomington and getting and back. And hopefully tomorrow we have some golf courses to talk about. It looks like the weather's going to be a bit better, and uh, you know there'll be at least nine holes in the, in the day tomorrow somewhere in Missouri, and there might even be nine holes somewhere else somewhere in Missouri. I believe you can't play golf in Illinois, so it's either going to be Missouri or Indiana. Let's see. Here, but maybe I'll play uh, nine holes here in. Western Missouri and then nine holes in Eastern Missouri. If I get closer, closer to St. Louis tomorrow. Missouri, yes. Indiana, yes. Illinois, you are correct. No. No golf is allowed. Yep. And you're not going to be in, I'm not going to be in Illinois for very long. Anyone that's driven through downstate Illinois knows that you get through it pretty quick. I will leave you on this note. I love Illinois. It is the state where I was born. I lived there until I was almost seven. My favorite pizza in the world is Aurelio's in Homewood, Illinois. We have some great readers and friends in the state, so this is not to disparage the state. I love the state of Illinois. That said, when I was driving west to Kansas City many years ago along I-80, 
I got the biggest kick out of the fact that I somehow drove the entire length, or width, I guess, the entire width of Illinois on cruise control, never got off of cruise control. From the time I crossed over the eastern border from Indiana to the western border into Iowa, I never exited cruise control. It was one of the most magical couple hours of driving of my life. And Matt, can I clarify something? We're talking about all the uh, mid-sized, the, the larger Midwest cities that are competing for the convention sporting events. Uh, there's two more I'd like to add to that list. <laughs> I don't want to leave any places out. Uh, Des Moines, Iowa is a place that's getting a lot of those events and conventions oh, yeah. right now. Oh, wow, I just passed the nature of highway. Uh, and, you know, if Rick Tegmeyer is listening, he probably would have cringed at me leaving up this Des Moines. Some of those other cities. Capital City. And Louisville, and Louisville, Kentucky is another one that's competing for a lot of those same events, trying to raise its profile through its, uh, its downtown area. So those are two more that, that, that came to mind. And I, I, I forgot Detroit, too. And Detroit's somewhere between all those cities we mentioned and Chicago. So Detroit's giving a different uh, classification in some of the cities we mentioned, but not quite, quite a Chicago. I love that you wanted to circle all the way back around to that. And they're all great. And Omaha. Oh, my gosh. I forgot Omaha. Home of the Storm and Chasers. I was thinking about Omaha today when I was running around the uh, Arkansas River in Tulsa. It made me think of when I was in Omaha a few years ago for the Turf and Ornamental Communicator Association conference. We got to run uh, along the Iowa River and got to see where they play the College World Series and some of the other sites in that city that's really doing well right now. So to the people... Our listeners in Des Moines, Omaha, Louisville, and Detroit, I apologize. We mean nothing disparaging against any of you or any of our fine listeners and readers in Illinois. We love you all. I mentioned St. Louis, too. Maybe I forgot to mention St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, there are, a lot of cool, there are a lot of cities in the Midwest with cool downtown areas that are revitalizing, that are competing for a lot of the same events. I'm fortunate to if Guy left you out of the list, don't take it personally. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure nobody does. We have great readers. We have great followers. We have great listeners. And if they know us and know that what we're all about, they know that we're not trying to slight anyone with anything we do. No. Well, have a safe last few miles, and I will talk to you tomorrow. From Indiana. Sweet home, Indiana. Sorry about that. I was in the drive thru at a place called Brahms. Have you heard of that? Called what? Brahms. B R A U M S. No, I've never heard of that. I drove through, I passed them in Oklahoma, and I, I saw a sign for one in Joplin. I'm like, I gotta try this place. So, what is it? Burgers, fries, shake. Oh, cool. I got a chicken club sandwich. Um, actually, had uh, two meals today. You ate two real meals, not just a bunch of snacks from the breakfast buffet? <laughs> we're not recording, are we? No, we're not recording. Well, I mean, I, I record everything, but this isn't part of the podcast. <laughs>